Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know there's seven levels of victory God wants you to reach. The exciting thing about it is that whatever level you're at right now, you can be sure that there's more. You can live in a new, higher level of victory than what you're currently experiencing. The problem is that if you're not aware of higher levels of victory, you could stay stuck where you're at the rest of your life. But praise God, the Bible shows us what the higher levels of victory are and how we can reach them. Here's what I'm realizing. Victory is not an event or some sporadic one-off thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a place that you can reach and stay there and never have to come back down again. So today, I'm going to cover with you the first three levels of victory. And on our next podcast, I'll cover the remaining four. So listen in and be blessed. people should live in victory. God never intended you to live a defeated life. He expects you to live a victorious life. And that's just written, that's plastered all over the Word of God. Now, it's not a self-centered victory. It's a God-centered victory that we're looking for. And so the less we focus on ourselves and the more that we focus on God's purposes, God's plans... Um, the more victorious we're going to be because we're going to be in sync and in concert with with Jesus. And uh, we can be Jesus' hands extended. We can be his feet. We can be his eyes. We can be his mouth, his ears. We were meant to be part of the body of Christ. And we need to to fulfill that. And so we're going to get started today on seven levels of victory. I'm so excited about this. This has been blessing me beyond, uh, beyond all measure. And so we're going to start right off on seven levels of victory. We're going to be reading from 1 John 5. Um, we're going to plant ourselves there basically for two weeks. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version because it uh, gives a good description of of the meaning and the words that are used there. So again, 1 John chapter 5, and let's get started. Seven levels of victory. Here goes level one, all right? Everyone who believes with a deep abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, those people, they're born of God. That is, they're reborn from above. They're spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. So the people who believe are born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the children born of him. By this we know without any doubt that we love the children of God, expressing that love when we love God and obey his commandments. For the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. In other words, how he, his directives, uh, his guidance. And his commands and his precepts are not difficult to obey. They're not hard to obey. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So I'm going to read verse 4 one more time. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. In other words, level one victory. 
Level one victory. Level one victory is this. Level one victory begins when you are born again. Level one victory begins when you're born again. Now, these scriptures don't only describe the event, the one time when you were born again, but rather an ongoing lifestyle of being born again. And therefore, if it's a lifestyle of being born again, it's a lifestyle of victory. God expects you to embrace a mentality of victory, uh, a spirit of victory, an approach to victory, but that it can only happen when you embrace the lifestyle of being born again through Jesus. So we're talking about seven levels of victory, and you really can't get to the next level of victory until you've perfected the level of victory that you're in right now. And so if you're in level one victory, make it work get used to it live in that lifestyle of born again victory and once you get that god is going to take you to a new level of victory that you've never experienced before what is born again well it's entering a new spiritual life where jesus listen to this is lord and savior he's both lord and savior you're born of the Spirit. There's new life in you that you didn't used to have. You've come into a new dimension where you finally become aware of God and that He loves you. That's the victory right there, your awareness of God. You didn't used to be aware. I didn't used to be aware of God. But when I was born again, I became aware of His reality. I have become, especially of late, become aware of how much He loves me. That's the victory of being born again. Furthermore, He, when, when I become born again, He gives me purpose and plan for my life. He gives you a purpose and a plan for your life. You are finally able to follow Jesus. You used to try to follow Jesus and you couldn't do it. When you were born again, you were finally able to follow Jesus successfully. Your perspective changes. Now you have hope. You have faith. You have love. You sense that Jesus is close to you then and that his spirit is in your heart and in your mind. So here's some specifics of this first level of victory that we see in 1 John verses first uh, John 5 verses 1 through 4. Look at these. First of all, we realize that we can love and appreciate God. We didn't used to love God. But when you're born again, you begin to naturally love God. And if you look at the verse here, it says um Everybody who believes is born of God, and they love the Father. They love the Father. You finally begin to love God. So that's a life. And listen to this. Do you just love God when you become born again, or do you remain in that lifestyle of loving God the rest of your life? No. This victory lasts forever. It, it's a continual final love of God and appreciation of God. You appreciate God. You appreciate who he does, what he does for you, how awesome he is, how wonderful he is. That's one thing. Here's another aspect of this first level of victory. You finally can love people, even people that you hated at one point, because it says not only are you going to love God, you're going to love God's children. 
God's, God's children. So a lifestyle of loving people. And remember, love isn't just something that you give lip service to. You have to express love in order to prove that you have love. You express it by giving generously or by encouraging somebody or by calling or texting somebody just to see how they're doing. That's an expression of love. And this is a lifestyle. This is the victory that you have of being born again. Furthermore, here's another aspect of being born again. The victory of being born again is you can finally obey God and you realize it's not that hard to obey God. You used to think it was so hard. I used to think it was so hard to obey God. There's so many things I need to do. But once you, you're born again, you realize, hey, this is a natural thing. I can obey God. I want to obey God. It's easy to obey God. And you see the benefits of obeying God to you personally because you see that his interest is your best interest. His interest in you is is your best interest. Here's another one, though. You can finally focus on what he's telling you in a way that you couldn't previously focus before. You can finally meditate and think on what God has told you. Look at what... uh, Um, verse 3 says, it says, we can focus on his precepts. Finally, we can meditate. Whereas our mind used to be ADD and scattered and going this direction and that direction. When you're born again, you can focus in on God and think on him, his precepts, his direction, his love for you. But here's another one. This, this set of verses also claim that you have overcome the world. If you were born again, You have the victory of overcoming the world. Well, what on earth does it mean to overcome the world? Well, another way of looking at this is you have overcome worldliness. I have countless people that come to God say, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop partying. You know, I'm going to stop being this way. I'm going to live a different life. And they begin to settle down because their faith in Jesus has overcome their worldliness. It's overcome the world. You stop bashing people and gossiping and start caring more for people when you're born again. Your musical tastes will change. You all of a sudden become aware of bad entertainment and realize, hey, that's not doing me any good. I'm born again. I don't want that junk in me. You're aware of modesty when you used to not be aware of it at all. And you want to separate yourself from worldly stuff. In other words, things that bring you down. Does that mean that you go into a monastery and separate yourself from the world? No, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so we want to separate ourselves from worldly influences, but by no means separate ourselves from the world that Jesus is trying to save through our efforts. Praise God. So here's the last thing that that I would like to mention. A lifestyle, not an event, a lifestyle that comes with being born again and the associated victory is you finally can have faith in God. Uh, You dislodge your faith from other things and begin to place it squarely on Jesus and nothing and no one else. You ask him for help 
when you used to try to do things on your own. You rely on him when you used to be self-reliant. You pray to him when you used to simply think to yourself or talk to yourself, and you've learned to trust in him. This is the victory that overcomes the world. You being born of God, being born again. This is powerful victory, but let me tell you what, it's a victory that needs to be perfected every day of our lives. This is simple, but it's not necessarily easy. <laughs> we need to, to get this level of victory straight in our lives so that we're planted, our feet are firmly planted in this level one type of victory. Speaking of faith, I was talking to a new acquaintance, a new friend that I made this week, and we were both acknowledging, you know what, everybody has faith. The question is, is where do you put your faith? Uh, an atheist has faith, an agnostic has faith, a workaholic has faith, even a drug, drug addict has faith. We all have faith, but do we put our faith in Jesus? When we're born of God, we will, in fact, put our faith in Jesus. Now, a lot of Christians who have been maybe a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years, maybe a little longer, a little shorter, they look back on their conversion and they reminisce, wishing that they had that first love again, that they had that passion, that fire that they remember having when they first gave their heart to Jesus, that same initial hunger for God and His Word. And, and they wish that they could go back to that level of enthusiasm and tell people about Jesus the way that they used to. I want to be honest with you that person should stop looking back and start looking up to a higher level of victory, to a new place that God has never taken them before. God gives you victory, level one victory, but he wants to give you level two victory next. And let me share with you a little bit more about that. But before I do, let me explain to you what I just mentioned here in terms of the scripture. In 1 Peter 2.2, it says, like newborn babies, in other words, level one victory folks crave pure spiritual milk so that by doing it you may grow up in your salvation he wants you to have the born again experience and a lifestyle of being a born again but he wants you to grow up in your salvation so hebrews 5 verses 11 through 14 gives a little bit more explanation of this here in Hebrews 5.11, it says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Let me tell you what. These words hit me like a ton of bricks. We no longer try to understand. As Christians, we should be constantly trying to understand by reading our Bibles, by asking the Holy Spirit to help us interpret the scriptures for our lives and to, and to guide us accordingly. But in verse 12 of Hebrews 5, it says, In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. My goodness, I don't want to have to do that. I want to keep ascending the mountain of God's knowledge, God's understanding, God's power, God's, God's authority, praise God. So it says these people have to have it taught to them all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Let me tell you what, milk's all right for a while, but at some point I want to start gnawing on a good juicy steak man i want some solid food in verse 13 of hebrews 5 it says anyone who lives on milk 
being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You know, my kids, I have four children, and uh, my kids now are, are growing up, and uh, when they were little, they were con- they, all they did was consume. They were consumers. They consumed our food. They consumed our time. They consumed our emotions. They consumed our money. <laughs> they consumed. They consumed. But you know what? As they've grown up and matured, they've started to be contributors. And God wants us to grow out of a consuming mentality into a contributing mentality. Who's the last person that you went to go encourage or help? Who is the last person that you prayed for, that you that that you sent a verse to, or that you tried to help? Be a contributor and grow out of a consuming mentality. But this is level one. Let's continue on to level two victory, starting in 1 John 5, verse 5 now. This is rather lengthy, so let me read it to you. Who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world? It is the one who believes and recognizes the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came through water and blood, his baptism and his death. Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and the blood. It is the Holy Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. He is the essence and the origin of truth itself. For there are three witnesses, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these these three are in agreement. Their testimony is perfectly consistent. If we accept, as we do, the testimony of men, that is, if we're willing to take the sworn statements of fallible humans as evidence, the testimony of God is greater far more authoritative. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified regarding his son. The one who believes in the son of God, who adheres to and trusts in and relies confidently on him as savior as the testimony within him, him himself, because he can speak authoritatively about Christ from his own personal experience. The one who does not believe in God in this way has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the evidence that God has given regarding his son. Here's level two victory. When you begin to accept God's testimony given to you, in other words, what he tells you over what other people are telling you, over their own experiences, or what you might think yourself. This is level two victory when you start listening to God more than anything or anyone else. Let me ask you, are you going to listen to your own fears? Are you going to start listening to God's promises? Are you going to listen to your own distractions? Are you going to follow God's direction? Are you going to listen to your temptations? Or are you going to leap out through God's escape plan? Are you going to rehearse your deficiencies and limitations? Or are you going to listen to God's grace, forgiveness, and power? You need to accept God's testimony of who he is and who you are inside of Jesus. This is level two victory when you start doing this. 
But we see that there's three testimonies that God is whispering into your ear every day of your life. Three testimonies, and they are uh, the water, the blood, and the spirit. And I'd like to address each of these three. When we consider the testimony of water, what on earth was John talking about, about a testimony of water? But when we talk about water, we're taken back to the time and place where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. John walks up, actually Jesus walks up to John the Baptist and and asks him to baptize him in water. And of course, John the Baptist says, I'm not worthy to do that. I he had mentioned, I'm not even worthy to, to tie Jesus' sandals, you know, to put them on his feet. And, and Jesus responds to John the Baptist and says, let this be done to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus says, let this be done to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I've looked in the Old Testament, and I can't find anywhere where it's prophesied or required that the Messiah had to be baptized in water to, be, to fulfill all righteousness. So what on earth did Jesus mean? Because Jesus was perfect. He had no need to be baptized. He, there, there was nothing that was going to purify him or change him through this process. But Hold this thought really quick because there's another key reference to water in John 3 when Jesus is secretly talking to Nicodemus at night and Jesus tells Nicodemus, man must be born of water and of the spirit. And it's very clear from this reference that that John is referring, that Jesus is referring to the natural human birth that we all experience. We, in order to get into heaven, we first of all have to be born, all right, just born naturally, and then we need to be born again, to be born of the Spirit. So here's what I think Jesus meant when he said uh, that he had to, this had to be done, that he had to be baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. This is what I think Jesus was saying. He was saying, I have to be born naturally, and I have to be baptized in water to set an example for the human race, to set an example for all who will believe. He lived a perfect and full life, experiencing everything that we've experienced, knowing everything that we've had to deal with so that we would know how to live. What did it, what's the testimony of water? It's the testimony of Jesus' example to us of how to live a righteous, productive, purpose-filled life and what that looks like. His example is a testimony to us every day of our lives. It's something that whispers into our ear both day and night. This is how you're supposed to live, with mercy, with grace, with power, with love, with hope, with faith, with humility. Look at how Jesus lived, and that's how you are supposed to live. This is level two victory when you begin to live like Jesus lived. Remember that acronym, WWJD? What would Jesus do? We need to be asking ourselves at every Every time we take a step, what would Jesus do? I want to do it the way Jesus did it. Amen. Well, that's, that's the first testimony. The second testimony that we need to listen to is that of Jesus' blood. Now, out of all the religions, 
Which religion touts love, forgiveness, mercy, grace, assured eternal life? What, what religion claims that God loves you, uh, God's love for you will in fact change you into a good person, into that good person that you can't make yourself? What religion offers you to have faith in God instead of trying to prove yourself to God through rituals and unattainable good works? What God sent his son to cover your wrongdoing and pay the price for your mistakes and shortcomings? What religion? Tell me just one. As somebody in our church, and it was Nadia, said this, she said, show me a God who spilled his blood for me and I will serve him for the rest of my life. Let me tell you what, there's no religion, no other God that's ever done what our God has done. No God. That's why in Revelations 12, 11, it says that we have victory and we've triumphed by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Remember last Sunday's message? If Jesus is victorious over something, you are victorious as well. How is that? Through his blood. His blood gave Jesus victory and therefore has given you victory as well. So stare at your addiction, stare at your failed marriage, your insufficient income, your kids who may not be serving the Lord right now, and declare to yourself, the blood of Jesus gives him victory over all of this and therefore gives me victory as well. This is level two victory. This is level two victory. But the third testimony that, uh, uh, that John speaks of in, in his book of 1 John is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, in essence, God's present with, presence with you. When you speak of the, the Spirit of God, you're talking about that part of God that is with you day and night, that will never leave you, that will never forsake you, that will never stop confronting you when you need to be confronted. His closeness, his proximity, he talks to you. He listens to you. He lives with you. If you'll let him, he'll live in you. He'll strengthen you. He'll guide you. He'll remind you. He'll empower you. He'll protect you. He'll enlighten you. He'll impassion you. He'll comfort you. And he'll show you his huge plan for your life. That's why in Psalms 139 verses 7 through 9 it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise with the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there, you will be there. Praise God. And that's why in Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 6, it says, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All right, there's the testimony of the Spirit. God is with you no matter whether you realize it, acknowledge it, or even feel it. He is Emmanuel, God with you. Jesus is revealing himself even to such folks as Muslims nowadays without any direct human interaction or visibility. They're seeing Jesus in their dreams. They're seeing him visibly uh, as, they, as they're wide awake. Uh, we, we watched uh, an incredible series that I want to show at church, and it's called Jesus in Athens. 
You can look look it up if you have an Amazon uh, uh, Amazon membership, and it shows the with numerous examples and testimonies directly from Muslims who have been converted how they had a vision of Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's powerfully at work everywhere, and he's moving on people who aren't even seeking him. So how much more does he care for you who are seeking him? Jesus' presence, his Holy Spirit is with us, and it testifies on a daily basis of our victory in the Lord. I remember when I was studying accounting in college, talk about boring, but it was what it was, and um, there was a group of study partners that I had, and we just happened to have a bunch of classes together. And uh, we always ended up to seem, you know, to seem to, to be in the same classes I've mentioned. And most of them um, would go out between classes and smoke. And during the class breaks, I would hang out with them and, and tell them about Jesus. And one guy told me, uh, one, one guy told me that uh, uh, he would never be a Christian because there was too many Christians that had failed, and he referred to them as many are referred to as hypocrites. It was so cool because out of the blue, the Spirit gave me something to counter him with what he had said, and I asked him, hey, if you heard that many accountants failed in their profession, would it keep you from getting an accounting degree and pursuing your career? He said, after he thought about it for a while, he said, well, no, and I explained to him, that you can't let other people's experiences keep you from following Jesus. That's level two victory. You start listening to God's testimony instead of your own or someone else's experiences or what the enemy tries to whisper into your ear. And when we do this, we no longer limit God because of someone else's experience. That's level two victory. And God wants us to get to that place. Well, let's move on to the third level, and this will be the last level for today. Reading again from 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. It says, And the testimony is this, God has given us eternal life. We already possess it. And this life is in His Son, resulting in our spiritual completeness and eternal, eternal companionship with Him. He who has the Son by accepting Him as Lord and Savior has the life that is eternal. He who does not have the Son of God by personal faith does not have that life and therefore doesn't have eternal life. Level 3 victory happens when you realize your eternal life makes you fearless. Your eternal life makes you fearless. A pastor told a story once of an older Chinese man living here in the U.S. And this pastor led this elderly man to the Lord, led him to Jesus. And in the process, the man began to cry. And in broken English, he said, Me no afraid to die. <laughs> Eternal life should make you fearless. You have it. Stop being scared. Stop being worried. Stop having phobias. Stop having panic attacks or anxiety attacks. Stop dreading your day that you're about to go through. You don't have to fear anymore. You have eternal life, and consequently, you've escaped the punishment that comes from not knowing God. I remember being overwhelmed by fear for about a year and a half because of a really tough situation our family was going through. 
every day and most every night this terrible situation plagued us. Endless uh, sleepless nights with our nerves on edge. I remember living exclusively by the promises that were in God's word, which he showed me, and the Holy Spirit would continually whisper into my heart. During that time, God led me to this scripture, and it's in Exodus 14, 13, and verses 14. So chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, and they are near and dear to me because they brought me into level three victory. Here's the kind of the backstory behind it, and I've mentioned this before in church, but here's all these Egyptians. Um, the, the Israelites have just left Egypt after the umpteen plagues that were that God brought them out through or by and uh, they have the the Israelites now have the Red Sea in front of them they have an Egyptian army bearing down on them and they have nowhere to go and Moses answers the people who were plagued with fear he said do not be afraid (laughs) do not be afraid stand firm all right. The Bible says if you don't stand firm in your faith, you're not going to stand at all. He said, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Today. Now, today is literal. I have 24 hours of today. In fact, a bunch of today is already gone. But today I'm going to see the victory of God. The Egyptians, listen, listen on to the rest of this. The Egyptians, in other words, your enemy the thing that you fear, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know that verse that says, be still and know that I'm God? To be still. Praise God. Level three victory is your eternal life makes you a fearless person. And you need to start living that way. I need to start living that way. Perfect that victory in our lives. Well, I distinctly came to realize through this experience that I mentioned that I wasn't fighting the situation, but instead I was actually fighting fear itself. That was my main enemy was fear itself. I would say, I remember saying this to myself, I might lose what's precious to me, but I refuse to be fearful in this process. From the time I believed these scriptures until God ultimately delivered us, I hung on to this scripture, and God brought a level of fearlessness that continues to grow in Tina and I to this day. Fearlessness is the result of realizing the eternal life that God has given you and me. Psalms 53.5 says, And this is about dread. And before I read this scripture, let's just pause here just a second. Do you ever get up on Mondays and dread the week? And you just look and you think, oh, what bad thing is going to happen to me this week? Or wake up in the morning and think, I wonder what bad thing is going to happen. That's called dread. That's called fear. And it's not from God. And that's why Psalms 53.5 says, "Um, but there... But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame, for God despised them. Let me tell you what, you have nothing to dread. Get up in the morning and expect that surely goodness and mercy is going to follow you all the days of your life. 
Begin to remind yourself of the eternal life. You can't be hurt by the second death. You might have a sickness. You might have an illness. You might be short on cash. You might be facing who knows what. Start being a fearless person in in the middle of your situation. You have eternal life, so why on earth are you scared? Enter into a state of fearlessness through your eternal life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you thanking you and blessing you, Lord Jesus. God, there's nothing like the victory that you give your people. There's nothing like the gift, Lord Jesus, that comes from being born again, the victory that comes from being born again, the victory that comes from listening to your testimonies instead of to others' testimonies, Lord. There's nothing like having the fearlessness, the victory of fearlessness that comes from eternal life. Nothing like it, Lord Jesus. And Lord, these are just the first three levels. I can't imagine what the next four levels are like. These are wonderful, enough for me to live my life, but you have even more, Lord God. And so I praise you and I worship you today, Lord Jesus. And I pray that each of us, Lord, would begin to perfect the level of victory that we're in today. Lord Jesus, God living in it, realizing that being born again wasn't just an event. Lord, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. Lord God, it's, 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 it's the way I'm going to live the rest of my life, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, let faith Arise in our souls, Lord, through the word of God spoken today. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. In your name I pray. Amen.